0: Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures. Let's dive right in.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Nina Christian, agency owner, marketing educator, and Australian Marketing Institute State Chair of Victoria about how businesses need to change their approach to content creation in 2021, and where should they focus their attention in order to provide more human experiences for their customers. On that note, let's dive in. Nina, thanks for joining us.
2: Hi, Shaheen, it's great to be here.
1: It's a pleasure to have you. Nina, I I watch your content on LinkedIn and the videos you you produce and you talk a lot about a lot about content creation and how organizations should think about their content, right? So, first of all, why is this important? Like why why do you focus on it so much?
2: Yeah. Well, I've been marketing for a very long time. So, the you know, when I first started out it was 25 years ago in the marketing space, things were really, really different. And I won't go through all of the evolutions that we've seen in that space, but in the last five years or so, there's been a really, really major shift and that's been post-internet, post-social media. Now people are really starting to get confident with communicating online. And the flip side of that is that there is so much information going out into the marketplace. It's very noisy. It's very cluttered. And people generally, um, they've changed their approach to how they want to consume information. They don't want to be sold to They don't want to be told what to buy, but they are open to having a conversation. They are open to being informed. They're open to being helped. And that's where content comes in. It's really a strategic play by companies to open up a dialogue between the people that they ideally most like to serve. So... The other thing that good content will do, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the, the application of that, is it gets your brand and your message in front of more people more often um, because, you know, you might have heard of the, the rule of seven where people need to see your brand a certain number of times before they're ready to engage with you. Well, recent statistics indicate that that's now more like 21 to 24, according to Google. And so for you as a brand to have that many touch points, you? really need to think differently around how you're communicating and also what kind of relationship you're building and so content is a really good vehicle to be able to do that
1: yeah that makes sense it makes sense and you're right there's a lot of that has changed in the past few years what where do you see companies go wrong at the moment you know like what what, what do you think they companies today get wrong about when it comes to content
2: yeah well There are some companies doing it really well and there are some companies that are trying and I think actually starting to try is a move in the right direction. So, But the ones that aren't actually trying, I'd say if they're old school, they're still focusing on the product. They're still focusing on them rather than focusing on the problem that they're solving. So instead of going out talking on their website about them and what they do and how awesome they are and how qualified they are, they need to flip that around and really start to understand what problems uh, the customers or their ideal target audience or whoever they're communicating with is having in the marketplace and then frame that conversation that positions what they do as a natural solution. So one of the things that um, people, you know, businesses forget is that people are out there doing their own research and they will consume a lot of different information from a lot of different sources before they even pick up the phone or call or they probably don't pick up the phone these days until they send that website inquiry or until they send that dm because people instinctively know that once they initiate contact contact they're going to be in many cases rammed into some sort of sales machine and people are wary and reluctant to do that and so having a uh, a way that you can communicate and have dialogue with uh, customers without being salesy right from the get-go because there is that journey that customers go through but doing it in a way that you can communicate with them across multiple touch points is is ideal and so a lot of companies if they're still operating by the old model and you know our focus here is is b2b and so you know I'll, I'll look at a lot of a lot of companies that would be typically in that model where you know they Focus on the products, and they focus on the maybe the the technical or the service as opposed to the having having that conversation. They're missing out on a lot of opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's very true. I think, and I think you know that that idea of talking about. Talking about the benefits, talking about the customer is is really ingrained in the B2C space, primarily because marketing is 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 a bit more mature in, in the B2C space than than it is B2B. And, and I think B2B has a little bit of a catching up to do in in that sense. And we still see a lot of people talking about, it. just like you said, talking about the self, talk about the features, talk about the uh, the product.
2: Yeah. And then a couple of other things that I might just tap on to that as well. So people People they consume content very differently, and they don't want boring content anymore. They don't want uninteresting content. They want something that's going to, you know, it, it needs to speak to them in some way. And so that is a challenge for a lot of brands. And to your point, a lot of B two C companies are doing that well, and it is more of a challenge for for B two B. But and, and and I think we'll talk more into what. Can, makes interesting in content and what kind of content is good because I think that's key because it's all well and good to say yeah you need to be you know having a conversation with your customers and communicating but the next question is well where most businesses will ask well what what do I say and so we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in our conversation today but one of the other things that I would point out as something that just from the get-go to be mindful of that um I do see a lot of businesses do wrong, is they are not tying their content marketing efforts very strategically to their business goals and so by that I mean they might just hear someone like you know myself or someone else say oh you need to be putting out content and immediately go oh that means blog or that means a video well that means I need to be doing this or that and the other without carefully thinking about how is every piece of content going to link into you know the journey that the customer goes through and ultimately the the journey that you they they want to take them on from being a stranger to you know a friend to actually being ultimately doing business with them so having a very very clear strategic intention behind your content marketing plan is ever so important as is having some metrics by which you're measuring the success of that, because you can have a strategic plan and you can craft your content around that. But if you're not measuring the success and is that actually working, is that delivering ROI, you could be focusing your efforts in the wrong direction. But having said that, you know, you can't expect to put out content and then have all your metrics lined up within a week or two because content is a long-term play, you know. So it's like when we, you ask me a question, what do companies do wrong? There's so many things. And that probably leads me to the biggest one is people will try something for a month or a few weeks and go, oh, I didn't get any customers, it didn't work. Whereas content marketing, it's a long-term strategy. It really is something that you need to focus on and invest in. Be prepared to go the distance over 12 to 18 months to, to really see return because you're not going to see return in month one. You're unlikely to see, well, when I say you're not, there's always exceptions and if you get, get that, happy days. And there are obviously things that you can do to, to, to be surprised, but you have to be prepared, you know, to put in any an effort of a minimum of three months before you even start seeing those little seedlings. I often liken it to, you know, people who plant, plant crops or planting a tree and, you know, with the content being like the seed, you're putting it out there, but you just have to keep nurturing it, you have to keep watering it and you don't necessarily see something right Immediately, but that doesn't mean that it's not sprouting, that it's not that it's not growing under the surface, and then eventually, after maybe you know a shorter amount of time, you see this tiny little thing coming out. But that's you know not indicative of all that it's going to be. It's just starting, and then but you still need to keep on going, nurture it, feed it, make sure it's getting what it needs, and as you consistently do that, ultimately it goes into a plan and into a tree, and then it will perpetually bear fruit of its own and that's what content does. When you put it out into the marketplace, there's different types of content and there's short-term relevant contextual content, but then there's also evergreen searchable content. And if you're focusing on both, which is an ideal, you have a situation where, you know, that content will start to just work for you long-term. And so it really is important to be very, very clear on the strategy from the get-go so that you know you're investing into the right place. That you have metrics that will determine is that working or not based on what you're wanting to achieve. And I'm happy if you want to let go touch on um, how what what some of those could be based on different types of um, objectives and you know firms, and then also to go the distance and be consistent with you know with a strategy and. To say it be consistent doesn't mean you need to do the same thing for a year, but to actually do it for a long enough period of time to actually see if it gets results and then you know have a look at what's working and do more of it and optimize it and tweak it and maybe shift the things that aren't yielding as, as many results.
1: I love it. I think those two points are so important. One is, hey, content blogs. I just saw that two days ago, I think, that um, I was looking at an IT company and they put out a blog and I was like, this just uh, this, this just looks like somebody has told you you have to produce content and you're spitting out blogs. And then the second point that you raise is is that patience. I mean, it's hard because, and I think primarily because a lot of B two B organizations are sales driven, right? And sales is sales can in some st- situations operate in quarterly basis yeah. where they can they can bring results and they can bring something in the pipeline at least they can show some meetings happening. Where And then organizations who are sales-driven are expecting the same result through marketing and they do it for a quarter and they're like, it's not working. Where are my meetings? Get, get rid of it. As, as, as to what you said, it takes a year. I mean, a year is, to be honest, I think you're, up, you're, you're being generous I am giving content marketing a year.
2: Yeah, I am. You know, I, 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 and I tell people all the time, that if you want to go on this journey, you, it, it, you, you if you do it consistently, you will start to see results. You know, if, if anything, my, my standard benchmark, and this is broader than just B two B, but it, it includes that. But anything less than six months is a complete bonus. You should be prepared not to see anything at all for six months then for 12 months, you should be prepared. You know, you might see hints and bits and you'll start to see traction and engagement and you'll start to to, to see some things happen. You'll start to see signs of life, but it's not going to be the fullness of all that it's going to be. Really, the sweet spot for when it will start to crank is somewhere between 24 to 36 months. Anything that happens before that, and I'm not saying you won't see results. Like, you know, I typically would normally, especially with smaller Agile agile Organizations, or proactive, or startup—you know—see something, something within the twelve months, or you know, within that twelve to eighteen months, it's a pretty good chance. But you have to be prepared, especially if you're wanting to build a strong brand in the marketplace, to show up consistent consistently over a period of time, because uh, time is a like with our flash in the pan marketing, where people are so used to being bombarded with messages and new brands and rebrands and. You know, whatever's of the moment and this is the social cause of the moment, people are used to switching on and switching off real quickly. And so if you can go the distance and be consistent through this season, through that season and, you know, show that brand presence and show up through content, you will build something which is, you know, the the capturing, the respect as well as the attention of the people that you're trying to do business with, in a way that you know sales or you know short-term marketing campaigns can't. They will attract interest and attention, and there's definitely a time and place for all of those things. It's not an either-or situation. It's definitely more of a both end. But to build that long-term brand equity and you know the the, the assets that you know in this B2B context. It's going to help drive your sales pipeline. It's going to give us, it's going to give talk points and a deep rep- repository of openings for the sales teams to use to have those com- conversations, especially, if you know, you're talking about the, you know, account-based uh, relationships, which need to be nurtured way beyond just the sales conversation, you know, that, that you're building out a deep repository of assets as you commit to a content marketing strategy over, you know, that 12 to 24 to 36 month period.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's there's this guy called Noah Kagan, and uh, he has this rule, which I love. And he says, you got to do something 100 times before you give up on it. So if you're doing podcasts, do hundred podcasts before you give up on it. If you're doing, if you if you want to write a blo- write, start writing blogs, do hundred of them. If you want to post on LinkedIn, do a hundred of them um, before uh, before you make a call, whether it's working or not.
2: I love that. And, you know, one of the things that that's that's going to help you with, apart from the fact of repetition and people seeing you and you giving it enough time to work, is it's going to help you, be it a person or an organisation or a marketer or a business owner, to to level up on what you're doing because where you start is not going to be where you end. Your first podcast is going to be very different to your 99th and 100th podcast, your first blog you know, it's going to be very different to your 99th one. Same with your social media post. And there's a saying that kind of, it kind of fits in really nicely with what you were saying is that you need to be prepared to suck at something in order to become really good at it. And this is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of organisations that have done something, you know, that they've had this and especially a lot of marketers. It's really, really hard when for decades, it's been ingrained that you have to be polished. You have to be professional. You have to be perfect. And then now we're being told you have to be everywhere. You have to be transparent. You have to be authentic. You have to just go with be it. rough
1: and dirty right. and, uh, and just get it out there. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash Slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack.
1: Okay, I definitely wanna I definitely want to talk to you about so we, we definitely talked about a lot of the challenges and, and issues that organizations have. So What should their approach be? Well, how should organizations approach content today?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I would think about is, so I want to try and keep this really practical and actionable as opposed to very just, you know, nebulous, high-level concepts. And there will be a bit of that. And we did talk about that a bit before when we talked about strategy. And so before, you know, going into some, some tacticals, I'll just reiterate that it's really important to understand what is the end goal of what you're wanting your content to achieve. Are you wanting to build a brand and be seen as the number one and dominate that space? Are you wanting to have sales conversations? Are you wanting to build a large customer base? Are you wanting to increase the lifetime value of your customers? Are you wanting to position yourself as the market leader to for acquisition? Or w- whatever it is, What is your commercial goal that you want to use your content for? Because you can't do everything. There will be that halo effect where where whatever you're doing is going to positively impact other areas, but ultimately you need to have an objective. So if I take, for example, the one of we want to attract more, more new customers to our business, which is the most common one, obviously, because we want to improve our bottom line revenue. So that would be a good place to start. And you think, okay, so what needs to happen for that to to take place? We need to get whatever it is, X sales. And for that, we may need to book X sales calls or have this many meetings and here's the length of the sales pipeline, et cetera. Okay, so what content do we need to be putting out that's going to, you know, take customers on that journey of the, you know, from they know about you, they know what service you provide, they know that you exist, to they're interested, to they're desiring and interested in the product, they're probably doing comparisons, to the fact that they they take the make the step and initiate content. So that's what we call in marketing terms, the sales journey. And for someone to go with the sales journey, they need to go through a process of what we also call know, like and trust, which you've obviously would have heard. And I'm sure many of the listeners here have as well. So they need to know you exist. They need to know what you do, where you fit in the marketplace, what you eat, what services you even provide. And I'm not saying that you let them know by, you know, just putting stuff about your service, you have to be smart about that. But there's this thing about awareness, people need to know you exist, then they need to, they need to like you, they need to bond with you, they need to have connection with you, they need to want to do business with you. And this one is probably foreign to a lot of brands in the B2B space, because they haven't really thought about it like that before. It was always, very you know hard about the tech or hard about the solution or anything like that but these days there's competitors for everything there's options for everything it's very very rare that there's only one service provider in an industry and people are used to getting your you know your three quotes and part of who they go with even if it is a logical decision and it is a buying decision. They will always look for the emotional element to support that and confirm that. So having that connection and why I know that's kind of kind of going a little bit into the, the sales but bringing it back to the content at the front end is if you are using your content strategically to build affinity, to build likability, you're addressing that part right at the get-go which then obviously has a positive impact on your sales process later on. And then the third part that you need to uh, have nailed for someone to do business with you is the trust factor. So you need to be very uh, intentionally establishing your credibility your authority? Why are you even, you know, capable of speaking, you know, to this problem or in this space? What makes you, you know, a, a authority? And, you know, there's a number of different ways you can do that. So, so having that, you know, holistic approach to content and thinking about, you know, that is is, is a really good place to start. So I think that probably is, is about a good amount to take answer on that question, but I'll, you know, take direction from you and which areas you kind of want to dive into in terms of how you would, you know, potentially might actually get started if you're if you're new to this, or even if you're not new to this and you've been doing stuff and it hasn't been really working. I mean, I love what you said earlier about the blog post where you saw it and you go, oh yeah, they it looks like they were just told to write a blog. That doesn't work anymore. You can't just call someone out and say, yeah, um, these are my focus keywords. Please write a blog on that. I want 10 reasons why, you know, know, people are over listicles at the moment, you know. There's a time and place, but you just can't outsource it anymore to random people because people's uh, BS detector is so finely attuned, they'll sniff it a mile away, they'll feel it. And that's been heightened by the pandemic, definitely. The way that people are engaging with brands has shifted dramatically over the last uh 12 months especially and so yeah you just can't get away with that anymore so i'll I'll kind of give it back to you over there and then you can kind of direct me as to which direction you want to go
1: sounds good (laughs) i think no i think what you what you raise especially for that that smb space is really important of getting an understanding of of that you know, you called it no like and trust, right. Or that whatever that buyer's journey is. I think it's very important for organization to understand because as an, as a business owner or, you know, a leader in a business, we are at the very end of that process. Right. And we assume, you know, the business is our world. It's, it's, it's the bubble that we live in. And it's very hard for us to see that from the perspective of the customer who, they don't give a you know the, anything <laughs> about uh, Kahoot, That's right about the uh, about your business, or they have no clue uh, you even exist, and therefore the process of getting them familiar with who you are and what you do is is is. I, I've noticed in a lot of situations is missing from business leaders and and owners in the SMB space of seeing that holistic picture. Just like you said, it's just not there because. We as a business owner, we we are in this bubble of the business, and we we cannot understand or, or we can't empathize with somebody who who looks at it from outside. I think that's um that's a really good point. Nino, what are your thoughts on on this whole movement of personal branding? I mean, that's that's another that's another area of content creation that it's become more popular in the past. You know, maybe a couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And you know, should businesses look into it? Should they? Should they not? Or are there specific objectives that that they need to address, they they should be wanting to address in in order for that for them to look into it? What are your thoughts on personal branding?
2: Yeah, oh, I love that you asked this question. I love it. It is so important, and I'll explain why. Because when you when I when I give you the reason, I think it will really make sense. So personal people especially now like th- this still would have been my answer 12 months or 15 months ago pre-pandemic right there was a shift already in this direction I've been talking about this for about two to three years especially now that there is a shift away from people wanting to do with brands for the sake of it so for many years the brand was about the logo it was about the well not just but you know it was about the corporate uh persona that, that logo represented and everything that went into that was about what was on the website the, the official line being professional being kind of up behind that wall <laughs> veneer of and everyone wanted to look professional there's been a shift away from that where people they really they know that brands are made up of people organizations are made up of people and they actually want to scratch beneath the surface and dig and say well What makes those people tick? What do they believe in? What do they stand for? What's their ethos? And there was this shift. There's been a a gradual shift in this direction over the last few months, and it was really accelerated by what happened in 2020 in the pandemic. I mean, it was happening anyway, but it just accelerated so much more where people had this, you know, insane desire to know, like, what does a brand stand for what social good are they doing in the world who runs it what type of people are they can i trust them do i trust what this brand's doing do i trust how they do business are they sustainable do they care about the environment do they care about their people are they making the world a better place and increasingly people are asking this type of questions not just around industries that were traditionally operating in those spaces But of all businesses. And it's just a matter of time. Like there's been a flow-on effect that you know, people like in the past, industries that previously would have just been completely uh corporatized or you know, behind a brand, utilities companies and technologies companies and energy companies, increasingly people want to know, like what is behind them and what do they stand for and there is also a, a deep understanding that you're not just dealing with you know and, and trying to link this really specifically to a b2b context you're not just dealing with a company you're dealing with people and what are those people like and so for a company people I'm not going to so much bond with a brand now. They're going to bond with the founder of a brand. They're going to bond with the brand's story. They're going to bond with the brand's ethos. And those things come predominantly through personal brands. So in a context of a business, it's increasingly important, especially for the founder or the leader of the organization, to have some sort of personal brand if they genuinely want to be seen as a contender and future-proof their business you know, in the coming years, and obviously, you know, I get that this is trickier for some brands than others to do this. But inherently, people want to know when they go to about. They don't want to know, you know, when the first office was, you know, established and when it was built and what kind of building they had and you know, you know, what was the, you know, all the technical things that ten years ago would have gone on an about page. What they want now is a story. Why does this company exist? Who started it, and why? What's the what is it there for? What's the purpose? What's the why? You know, we've all heard of you know Simon Sinek over the last few years, and people have an intense desire to 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 know these things. They also want to know what's the vision of the company, and so these are things that can serve as really interesting content. And you know, this is I guess vid a little bit of just content because we're talking about personal brands but in the same way that a founder needs to build the brand like look at a lot of the successful brand you know companies like you can look at you know Elon Musk and people like that they, they are you know people buying to you know his companies because they buy into him you know it's not just the logo and it's not just the piece of technology it's the fact of why it exists and you see so many great founders in this space and I think that's easier especially for younger founders and business leaders to embrace because they're used to that it's more of a challenge for you know the the generation who's been doing this for decades to to shift into being more open about their personal life and world and you know building that personal brand but it is important and it's also increasingly important to empower your people to be able to build their personal brands because you know you know, just a quick comment, it's a little bit off topic from what we're talking about content marketing, but the way people are, you know, going in and out of employment is changing and the way people are, you know, just navigating life and careers is changing. And whereas a personal brand, you know, few, four, four or five years ago would have been promptly about the person leading an initiative, it's, it's, the trend is moving towards everybody needing a personal brand because people want to know even if they're hiring you, they don't just want to know about your, you know, uh, academic and educational and professional achievements. They want to know about you and what you stand for. And, you know, traditional hiring methods are being upended. And so getting on people's radar is really, really important. So how do you do that? You don't just do it by firing off, you know, 3,000 CVs. You get people's attention okay. because of... of um, of how you're communicating in the marketplace and what you stand for and what you're putting out. So even though the focus of this episode is on content for, you know, B2B businesses, it's probably worth interjecting that, you know, all the listeners here are, at the end of the day, people too, whether they're leading businesses or working in businesses, this is going to be useful for them that as they build out their personal brand, a lot of the principles of what we're talking about are how content can help you do that can be applied to personal brands as well so you know bringing that back to social media and you know what people are sharing etc and you know that there's going to be an element of that may form a content strategy for a business as well like allowing people employees to share their stories and tapping into those founder stories and um yeah, there's kind of an element that I would go into around content, which I think is good to touch on. But I'll, I'll I'll throw back to you see if you have any questions on the personal branding side before we wrap that up, and and maybe th- then touch on a couple more things around the content.
1: No, I think I think that's a really really good point um, that you raise. And uh, and I guess I guess the last question that I wanted to ask you on, on this topic. I mean, we, we've covered a lot. We've talked about kind of mistakes. We have talked about the approach that organisation need to have and, and think about the buyer's journey. We've talked about personal branding. What, what are some of the examples that you can think that, that companies are doing really well when it comes to marketing in the B2B space?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So worth saying that it's, it, it's kind of very liberating what I'm going to tell you because content, do, it can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And there is a massive trend towards micro content at the moment. Um, There's a lot of studies that talk about people wanting short snackable pieces, not really, really long, you know, the days of the white paper and the, you know, exhaustive then there's still a time and place for it, but that's further into the further into the journey, especially in the B2B space. One of the things that's most powerful that companies are using at the moment, in fact, it's the top form, in my opinion, and Forbes, you know, talked about this as the, the fastest growing marketing discipline, is thought leadership. And companies that are doing content marketing really, really well are tapping into thought leadership and using that as a vehicle, because it, does a few things it it really does encapsulate this know like and trust it's like an all-in-one for that because you can you know let people know about your you know your your expertise and credibility and all of that you're delivering massive value you're building connection and affinity you can do it in a way that builds rapport and you're also building that authority in there as well so thought leadership is really really powerful and I would encourage anyone who is uh, looking to, especially in the B2B space, uh, build a brand, whether it's a, a large enterprise, whether it's a small business, or whether it's just even someone on their own, think about what thought leadership could that they could provide as a person or as an organisation, because that will really put you on the map. And the thing about thought leadership is it doesn't have to be big and scary. Like I said, you know, studies show that Content that can be consumed in a couple of minutes is doing way better, especially at the, you know, top of funnel service. So when people are just getting to know you stage, that is doing much better. And the thing that thought leadership does, why it's so powerful, it's not just about delivery of information. We are done with information. We are done with, you know, 21 points about this, where we're just giving information. What the most powerful thought leadership does is it evokes transformation. How does it do that? It gets people to think differently. It gives them an aha moment. It gives them a perspective shift or it gives them some piece of valuable knowledge that when they apply it, things are different or their outlook is different or it gives them a motivation and inspiration to action All of those things can be encapsulated as thought leadership because the delivery of that information then facilitates some sort of transformation in the reader, listener, viewer, which ultimately makes their business or life better. And there's a really powerful principle that sits behind that and that is the principle of reciprocity which if you've read Robert Calvini's book you'll understand reciprocity is that if someone can hear something you know a gazillion times they know that it goes into cognitive knowledge it's there but if you then give them some piece of information or fact or post or perspective shift or email or video that just just tweaks the way they think to the point where it actually gets them to take action. They will actually remember that you were the person that actually got them that that baby step that was over the line and they will accredit you with a really massive shift in their lives. So thought leadership is really, really powerful. Studies have shown that it delivers commercial returns because people make buying decisions based on that, massive studies around that that the majority of people over half make buying decisions on firms based on their thought leadership. They also uh, will pay a premium based on thought leadership. Studies are, you know, something around, well, not around, 61% in a massive uh, study by one of the world's leading brands in the area of thought leadership show that people will pay a premium, 61%, they will pay more based on a company's thought leadership. So, it's something that is a basically the lowest hanging fruit i continually say for organizations because it's something that you can tap into something the founder can tap into something that employers and employees can tap into and start to incorporate in their content marketing. And, and so just remembering these things around, you know, perspective shifting, moving to action and inspiring that transformation. That really does simplify it in my opinion.
1: I feel like that sums everything up that we were talking about so nicely. That is, uh, that is it, it's a very interesting point about thought leadership and, and doubling down on it. I mean, we've, we're starting to see more and more of that in the market but uh but having a focus from a content perspective on that i think you're you're on the ball talking about that that becoming more and more important thing well nina this has been an amazing conversation i really enjoyed our 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 chat is there is there any last points that maybe i didn't cover that you think it will be valuable to touch on before we wrap up
2: uh yes Uh, Content marketing can be overwhelming when you're just starting from ground zero or when you've realized that you haven't been doing it right and you need to overhaul it. Don't shoot for the stars right when you begin. Just do something and do it consistently. Consistency trumps everything else because once you're doing something consistently, it's really easy to add, tweak, change, you know, move direction but you actually have to develop that muscle of actually doing something. So even if you're not doing anything, you do something once a week and do it for three months before you go and do something. The biggest thing that I see, which frustrates a lot of firms is they get all motivated and they go out and do everything. And then it's not sustainable because it is work. And it's really important. That's a whole nother topic for another day here. But It is really important to have systems and processes that undergird your content marketing because it is, you know, labor intensive and you need to have it consistently done. And so start with something that's doable, consistently, weekly and layer from there. And then obviously look for optimizations and, you know, look attentively at where you can systematize and processize anywhere in there. And that's not at the front end. It's not by just, you know, randomly outsourcing your, your post. It's going to be really in the repurposing and the delivery of, of of a lot of that to leverage efficiencies. But don't start with that. Don't start with some sort of complicated workflow just because you see, you know, HubSpot out there in 50 gazillion places on the internet. Start by doing something which is that going to be the easiest for your firm to do consistently and that aligns very importantly with your strategic goal of why you would even do it in the first place, like go through that process of reverse engineering the content and then measure it regularly to see, you know, is it actually delivering results and how you can improve it. So, yeah, that's what I would go, just consistency.
1: No, I love it. Consistency. Make sure your content is not Content strategy is not based on hype. It is a lot of work because the hype and the steam will run out and uh and and you will you will lay flat. I love it. Nina, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I'm sure a lot of our guests are going to be getting a lot of insights out of it. Thanks again for uh for jumping on. Oh my
2: up. pleasure, Shane. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news, tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you
2: in the next episode.